Let's do. That's all right. My old Bible I've had forever is kind of heavy, and so uh, if I put it on here, it doesn't hold up very well. So we're good to go. Children are dismissed at this point, and uh, they can go and find a lesson uh, suited for them. Uh, not that this isn't, but more suited for their age group. So, If you have your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you do, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. We find there a familiar passage of Scripture to most all of us. And that is, at the end of the chapter, what we often refer to as the Great Commission. And uh, we, we want to look at that from a little different perspective together this morning as we consider uh, the modern-day mission of the church. The modern-day mission of the church. In the last 40 years, the world has added 34 new countries. You think about that. You think about all the time the world has been around, and, and yet we're still adding new countries. I think it's interesting that 33 of those 34 were added prior to 2010. And so basically an average of about one new country a year. But since 2011, there has only been one new country. And so prior to, in that 30 years, there was about one a year. In the last 11 years, there's only been one added. And you think about these new countries. And you think about the challenges that they face. South Sudan was the last country added to the World Council of Countries. And that was in 2011. And many of them are struggling to move out of their ancient ways and the, the old way of doing things and moving into the modern age, if you would. Uh, they don't have the infrastructure. They don't have the finances and support. They don't have the people or the knowledge or the understanding. And so they struggle with this transition that they are trying to make. That struggle contributes to a struggle of our modern missionaries. That when they try to go to these new countries and share the gospel, they are struggling to learn their custom and their ways and the differences because they're so new, relatively new speaking. And so we think about the mission of the church. I won't forget that not long ago I had the privilege, uh, along with Ariel, to, to go to the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. And there were so many fascinating things, unbelievable uh, exhibits and information and documents, historical documents and artifacts and it is truly an amazing experience. But one of the things that really stuck with me 
as we were nearing the end of our stay there and and looking at all of the things, that there was a room, probably a little bigger than this room, and it was was the Bible translation room. In other words, they had it divided into different sections of all of the languages and dialects of the world. And there was a section that has the entire Bible translated into their language or their dialect. There was another section that had at least some portion, maybe all of the Old Testament or all of the New Testament, but they had some portion. And then there was another section that had just anything. They had a passage, they had a a sentence, they had a, a chapter or something. So, so these three areas completely translated, maybe just the Old or the New Testament, maybe just some fragment or some sentence or paragraph translated into their language of the Scriptures. And then there was a fourth section, and that was all of the languages and dialects that have zero, absolutely no translation of the Scripture into their language. And it it struck me that as we looked around that room together, that if you were going around the wall here and and they were literally just a like a library book in the wall and, and it told the name of that country and if they had some translation, how much, and they were different color coded so that you could understand that. The ones that had at least some fragment all the way to the entire Bible might would, might would cover this entire wall up here. The whole rest of the room, all the way around, was all of the languages or dialects that have zero translation of the Bible in their language. And, and I was taken back by the idea that as long as we have been around, And as long as we've had God's Word and all of the efforts that have been made to try to to reach other countries and other people, other tribes and nations with God's Word, and all of the effort to translate the Bible into their languages, and yet just this one wall had something translated into their language. And all the rest was filled with all of these languages and dialects and tribes who had no translation of God's Word whatsoever. And I thought about the mission of the church. I thought about the responsibility that we have to communicate the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost world. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some were still doubtful, hard to believe. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, These are Jesus' last words. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus gave his followers a mission. And we refer to it as the commission, because it was initially his mission. And now he has asked us to join him or to come alongside, cooperate, that's the idea of commission, with him in accomplishing this task. What does the word mission mean? It's from the original Latin word mito, M-I-T-T-O, and it simply means to send or I send. And so Jesus said, I am sending you into all the world... Everyone's included. In order to take the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the lost world, go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything. Think about that for a moment. Everything that I've commanded you, not just a fragment, not just a sentence or a paragraph or, or, or a chapter or or, a, or a, a book. But he says, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And then he promises that he will go with us in that effort. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the way, age. Christianity is missionary by nature. We have been called by Christ as believers to share the good news of the gospel with a lost world. And while in some instances we look and think, boy, we've made great strides, we've made great progress, we've done some great things, when we stop and realize just how many people do not have any translation of God's Word, any portion of God's Word whatsoever in their language, how far away are we? From teaching them everything that He has commanded us. Teaching them all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We must understand that Christianity and the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ is the only true faith in the world. God's Word teaches that, us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 4. It says, Therefore, concerning the eating of things, sacrifice to idols. We know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and that there is no God but one. There is no God but one. That is such an important statement. We do not serve many gods. There are not multiple gods. There are not different ways to get to the same place. He said there is no God but one. Only one true living God. There are idols. There are forms of other worship. But there is only one true living God. And that is the God you serve and I serve. That is the God that is the God of the Scripture. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 It says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven. Do you get that? There is no other name in all of history and all of the universe. There is no other name, he says, under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. 
only the name of Jesus Christ. We cannot compromise that. We, we cannot rationalize that. We cannot be politically correct around that. We must stand on But for us to truly live, it can only be done through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There's no other avenue. There's no other possibility. Uh, there's no other help that we can receive. If we really want to live, we have to live through Him. We have to live through the gospel message. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. His desire, His mission, He came for this purpose that was to seek, to find, and to save the lost. And He's given us the same mission. Because all authority belongs to Him, He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe all of the things that I have commanded you. I came to seek and save the laws. And now I send you mission, commission. Now I send you to do the same. I give you that same obligation and responsibility. John 6 and verse 38. He says, for I have come down from heaven. Not to do my own will. But the will of him who sent me. I have come to do the will of the Father who sent me, and His will is to bring salvation to the lost world, to everyone who would be saved. So what does our modern mission look like today? I believe that when we look in, in Matthew chapter 28, 16 through the closing of the chapter, there are two things that are most important, not the only things but two things are most important, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. The first one is this. You are the object of God's love. You are the object of God's love. God loves you. God loves me. He loves every individual unconditionally. And we are the object of His love. If we believe that, if we will understand that, if we will embrace that, he's not talking about the romantic, starry-eyed, gooey love. He's talking about a much deeper, a more sincere love like that of a parent who would be willing to sacrifice everything for the, for the benefit of their child. That's the kind of love that he's talking about. And we are the object of his love. That He looks at us with a heart of love. That He sees us with a desire to love. That He wants us to be in a loving relationship with Him. And if we believe that, and we will live that, and we will share that with the lost world, then we have taken the first and most important step of the mission that He has given us. Helping the world to understand that they, like you and I, are the object of His love. That if you or I were the only ones, or those individuals were the only one who needed saving, God sees us as an object of His love. And He would have still sent Jesus to die on the cross and pay the price for our sin and rescue just you or just me or just that other individual because that's how much He loves us. I don't know about you, but I'm blown away by the thought of that. 
I'm blown away by the idea that he would sacrifice his son to save me. Personally. Individually. That that was his plan for anyone who needed saving. And if I were the only one, he would have still carried out his plan. Because his desire is to save us. His desire is to love us and for us to enter into a loving relationship with him. I'm reminded of a little story that's told from years gone by. Back in the days when there were sharecroppers. And if you know anything at all about history, sharecroppers were extremely poor individuals. They lived most of the time and they had some type of obligation to those who owned the land because all they did was just just serve as, as a worker to plant and care for and harvest for someone else. It wasn't their land. It wasn't their possession. It wasn't even their harvest. And oftentimes when they would get to the end of the year, uh, they, they had little of nothing to show for all of their efforts. But the story's told of this one particular family, and, and they had had a, a really uh, great year in the harvest. And when the year was all said and done and all of the bills and obligations were paid, they had a little bit of money left over, which was extremely unusual. And they begin to think about what could we do for the family. There, there's not enough money that we could get some type of gift or, or reward for everyone in the family. But, but what could we do that would allow the whole family to benefit and to enjoy? Mom and dad finally landed on the idea that they would purchase a mirror. That they had never had a mirror. That they had never been able to look at their own image in a mirror that they had seen each and one another, but, but had never been able to look at themselves. And so they went to the, the mail-order catalog, and they ordered a mirror. Ten or twelve days later, the package showed up, and they delivered to, to their little, little house there on, on the farm a mirror. They opened the package, and Dad looked at the mirror first, and seeing his image, he frowned wasn't happy at what he saw. Mom took the mirror next and she looked at the image and she smiled. She was happy to finally see her appearance and what she looked like. They put the mirror in front of the little baby and the little baby saw itself and, and giggled and laughed and it was, it was wonderful. And they had a little boy, his name was Willie. They handed the mirror to Willie and Willie looked at himself and tears began to well up in his eyes. He didn't know if he should laugh. He didn't know if he should cry. He didn't know if he should frown. He didn't know what he should do. For you see, when Willie was just a toddler, Mule had kicked him in his face. And his face was twisted, disfigured. And when he looked at himself, he realized he didn't look like ever. It didn't look like his mom. didn't look like his dad. didn't look like the little baby. That he looked very different. And so he looked at his mom and he asked her a question. He said, has my face looked like this all of the time and you still love me? And his mom looked back and she said, your face has looked like this for a long, long time. And absolutely, I have always loved you. And God says the same thing to you and I. He looks down at our twisted and disfigured life our sinful soul, our 
mistakes and shortcomings and failures, and we don't look like we should. In fact, we're probably pretty grotesque to Him. But then He looks at us and says, I have loved you all the time. My love has never changed. My love has never waned. It's, it's never shortened or, or grown cold. I've loved you the whole time. And if you and I can grasp the idea that we are the object of God's love, e- even in our disfigured and twisted and, and mangled appearance to Him, He still loves us no matter what. It is an unconditional love. And if we can begin to understand that and then be willing to to feel that we are obligated to share that message with others. We have begun the process of filling the mission that He's given us. The second thing is this. Human nature can be changed. Human nature can be changed. We are, by nature, born sinful. But He says that can be changed. And it can be changed by the blood of Christ and the sacrifice that He made. And that we can be rescued and we can be brought back into the family of God through the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. During the World War II, the war moved into the Southwest Pacific. And, And there, there were many islands. And the soldiers, as they began to move into that direction during the war, they were very concerned about going to the islands. Because they'd heard all kinds of stories about things that had happened for those who went to the islands. 65 years earlier, missionaries had shown up to Nagina, to the islands. And the first missionaries to arrive were promptly killed and cooked and eaten. The chief of the tribe had over 34 human jaws hanging from the rafters of these people that they had consumed over the years. And once they killed these missionaries, they fully expected the retaliation of the people, the backing of the the missionaries. But retaliation didn't come. All that came were more missionaries, more people desiring to share the love of God and to be an encouragement to these people. And over the years, there had been an effect of the missionaries on these people and the soldiers who were apprehensive about going to the islands and these stories about about missionaries who had been killed and consumed and all of these things and horrific situations that had happened when they arrived at the islands. They didn't find a tribe full of people who were barbaric and and who were cruel and and who, who rejected them. They found a tribe of people who had been converted to Christ. And their hearts had been changed. And they received the soldiers gladly. They rescued some of them. They fed them. They mended their wounds and and their battle wounds and the things that they had experienced. And all the while, the soldiers were apprehensive and unsure, but they began to experience and understand that, that these people's hearts and lives had been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
human nature can be changed. But it begins with understanding that we are the object of God's love and He desires to save us. And it is moved forward because of that love and through that experience and understanding the Scriptures and what He teaches us. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Revelation chapter 22 says this, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who, who hears say, Come. And then let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take of the water of life without cost, let them come. Invite and bring everyone to come and experience the love of God. That is the mission of the church. It always has been and it always will be. So this morning, we're going to sing an invitation hymn, and perhaps there's a, a burden on your heart. Maybe you haven't looked at that mission the way that you should. Maybe you haven't accepted the responsibility or the obligation to, to share that love with other people. And today, you say, you know what, I want to change that in my life. I, I want to live differently. I want to do better. I, I truly do believe that I am an object of God's love. And I want to experience that love in a new and unique way. And I want to share that love with others. Perhaps you're here that you just need somebody to put their arm around your shoulder and pray with you about something that's going on in your life, some struggle or difficulty that you're facing. Whatever need you have on your heart as we gather here today, this invitation is for you.